Show Up and Stay podcast. I'm your host, Deanne Knighton. Today, I am interviewing Blair Sharp. Blair is a writer, a master content creator, in my opinion, my humble opinion. She is a wife and a mom that has relatable stories that she shares through her blog and through IG. And she's an advocate for the alcohol-free slash AF label and lifestyle and has a strong voice that is changing the conversation around recovery and sobriety. So Blair. That was such a nice intro. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I hope it felt good. You deserve it. It It's all true. So you and I share a commonality that I did not know about. And you know, maybe the first time that we talked, we talked about this, but I don't recall it but we have very similar sobriety birthdays. Mm -hmm. So for me, yesterday was my actual birthday. And then three years ago, tomorrow is the day I took my last sip of alcohol and I track it in the Nomo app. And I looked at it today after I saw this post that you did. And it reminded me that I actually set my sobriety date all the way down to the time on that date, which happened to be 12 noon on a Monday. You can read into that all you want, but yes, um, I definitely needed to stop drinking. I have always tracked it based on the day I took my last drink. Today, I saw a post from you that I thought was really interesting along that subject. So I'd just love for you to kind of talk to the listeners about that a little bit and bring them into that conversation. Yeah, actually. So tomorrow, February 26th is the day that I celebrate. It'll be four four years, um, that I chose to quit drinking. However, yesterday, February 24th would have been the last day that I drank, which I don't celebrate really. Um, I wrote in that post, you know, that I acknowledge it. And I, I really hadn't even so much as acknowledged it too much, I guess, until yesterday, yesterday at work, I said, you know, Hey, four years ago, you know, I drank the last time. I actually was celebrating that day up until last year. And I, it just didn't feel right because at that point, like the last time I had drank, I, it wasn't even on my mind to stop drinking even, you know, I guess four years ago today, I would have been super duper hungover, still not even considering not drinking anymore. That's why I celebrate that day. It was interesting to read the comments because it was kind of all across the board in terms of like where people were at on it. It just shows that no matter what, this is the most individual process that I have experienced in my life. Like every decision you make has to feel right to you and whatever that may be. You're a strong advocate for the term alcohol-free versus maybe some of the other labels that might exist out there for what we, what we are in the middle of doing Mm -hmm. right now. Happy almost alcohol-free birthday to you. Thank you. Um, You too. And on that note, let's just go back in time a little bit and tell us kind of what led you up to this alcohol-free life of yours that we're celebrating, not today, but tomorrow. (laughs) For me, alcohol has always been, since I started drinking around 16, 17, I've always like noticed it's a little bit different than everybody else. Um, And it was sort of easy to fit in. Even in high school, you know, everybody's kind of like trying to figure out how to drink. No one really knows how to drink when not, you know, when you're in high school, like you know, you're stealing alcohol from your parents or like, you just, you don't know how much you're supposed to drink. You don't know what you're supposed to mix with what, like you're just trying to fit in. And so, um, I was doing those kind of things. And then in college, I also fit in because, uh, everybody was binge drinking in college, at least where I went. Um, you know, and like, 
so the way that I drink binge drinking, blacking out often, um, making bad choices, drinking and just kind of like throwing everything just up in the air. Like who knows what's going to happen tonight when I drink, you know, that was like what we all did. So it was, I mean, there were moments, right. Where I was out of control, but like other people were doing some of the same things that I was doing. And you kind of find your people too, you know, you find your people that you're going to hang out with and do those kind of wild and crazy things with. Yeah. And then you celebrate it. Well, right. It's like hilarious. Like the next day, it's like, how did we get home? Nobody remembers. Who's that guy sleeping on the couch? You know, we had an after party. Like, I don't remember doing this or that or ordering this food. And I can't say that I don't still laugh about those things because I do. I had like a great time back in those days, although there were moments where I obviously wish things would have gone a different way. Um, I I still like want to say that like it wasn't all bad, you know, like my friends that I had then are the same, pretty much the same friends that I have now. We all, even the ones that still drink, we're all like, whoa, like, I'm glad we made it through those times, you know, and like nothing really, really bad happened to any of us. Cause it definitely could have any, any of those nights where we were, you know, blacked out. And I had, um, like in college, you know, just like stupid decisions, doing things I would never do if I was not drinking. I got, well, I guess I was out of college by this time, but when I was about 25, I got a DUI um, I had just met my now husband at the, at the time I had just met him like within the last year before that. And then I got a DUI. I spent two nights in jail. Even then, like, you know, that's a big, big mistake, right? I mean, it wasn't the first time I drove drunk. Even then that didn't, didn't click anywhere in my head to like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't drink anymore. Like maybe this is a problem. It was just like, Oh yeah, you got one too. You know, like I had friends that were getting DUIs too. That was kind of like the the thing. It never really clicked ever that like this was a problem and that like not drinking was maybe a solution. <laughs> like it yeah. was just, that's what we did. And that's what I did. And again, like I said, you, I would drink and I wouldn't ever know really what was going to happen. You know, I usually drink heavily. So it was like, okay, hopefully nothing happens. And what was nice about it is because when I met my husband, he doesn't drink. Hmm. He never drank when we were together. So like, that was kind of a safety net for me if I was drinking around him, he was always sober. So like he was able to drive me places. He was able to make sure I got home, you know, in one piece, he would kind of be the one that would make little rules around my drinking. Like if I went out with friends, like just go stay at your friend's house. Like don't come home. Cause I don't want to talk to you at 2 AM, you know, when you're wasted or towards the end, it was like, you know, he didn't really want to be around me when I was drinking even like, cause it was just getting, it was just obnoxious. And I was just like mean, I would pick little fights to make it sound like he was the bad person. If that makes sense, like to get the light off of me, you know what I mean? Right. Trying to control you or like whatever yeah, that might like, be. oh, this is just, how, you know, you have to accept me. Like, this is how it is, you know? And I know so many people are dealing with this in the moment, but it's just now it boggles my mind that like not drinking was never even a choice. It wasn't an option at all. Um, and no one told me that it was either. No one ever said like, you should stop drinking. It was always like, you should try to control it. You should try to drink less. You could drink water in between. You could eat more. You could just maybe have a couple. Just moderate, Blair. You just got to moderate. Right. You know, I didn't know what I didn't know. So, well, you know, what's funny about what you uh, said that your husband was saying is really, he was just setting really good boundaries. Yeah. He's keeping himself safe. I think I could take some lessons from that. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. He's good. And he's still here 11 years later, you know. I 
had my son when I was 30 and I was still drinking, um, at the time when I found out, you know, and then when I found out really early on, um, in the pregnancy, I stopped drinking. There was no problem. I didn't have any issues like stopping for that. And I didn't really, I don't feel like I thought about drinking that much during my pregnancy either, which was interesting. Um, I wasn't like, Oh, I need to like, I can't wait till I can drink again. Like it was just like, I knew I couldn't drink. So I wasn't drinking. But then when I had him, I, I still kind of slowly back, you know, got back into to drinking, not super heavy right away, just here and there. And I was like, oh, I could have two and then um, stop. And I did a few times. And I, I did that when I was back in my heyday too, you know, like I, I'd, I'd have a couple and then stop, but I never wanted to do that. Like I always wanted more. After I had my son, there was a lot more of nights where I had to stay home with him or something like that. My husband, you know, would go out with friends. I would have to be home because we had a baby. So then I would drink you know, at home, like I'd have like a glass of wine, which turned into a bottle, which turned into two or however much I had in the house, you know? And so I feel like it was a lot more in a short amount of time. So I got pretty drunk pretty fast. And I feel like my body changed after I had, I mean, of course it did after I had my son. Yeah. It was a lot more drinking at home when he was 18 months old, um, which I talked about in the post that I, I made yesterday about my last night of drinking, I guess, which wasn't Unlike any other time, it was just any, another night where I drank too much and happened to trip over a baby gate and fall and shatter the wine glass and wake up with bruises. And, you know, I fell all the time. So this wasn't like anything that was like out of the ordinary. It was just that I was home alone with my son when it happened. And my husband came home and the next morning, which I suppose would have been four years ago today, um, he said that he didn't want me drinking at all when I was just home with the baby by myself or with my, our son. So I think that boundary is that he set is, is the, really the one that kind of made me wake up and I would have these like physical hangovers, you know, for a day or two after drinking, cause I drank so much. And then after that, I'd have like this emotional hangover towards the end of two or three days later. Like I'd be like, Oh, why can't I drink less? You know, like, this is how I am. They have to accept me for who I am. Nothing's going to change because this is how I drink. And like, there is no other way, which makes me again, laugh because like, there's totally another way. Clearly here we are. It's the story though. I mean, it's, it's the reason that we just do these self-punishing things. It's crazy the way the mind can just build like a moat around it. I feel like I was delusional in some ways. And I also feel like you know, the me back then had no idea that, that there were people out there that just decided to stop drinking without like having to go to rehab or, you know, losing your marriage and your family and, and these big rock bottoms that you see on like TV and intervention. And, and if that's you, that's, that's fine. It's just not my story. That's not my experience with it. But like, I didn't know that you could just stop drinking, you know, and like change your life. I had read a blog that someone wrote similar to kind of what I write now, um, full circle. I reached out to this stranger on Facebook, just typed her name in and wrote her this long message saying like basically what had happened the two nights before. And I just can't do this. I know that I need to stop. Um, I don't know how and all this stuff. She responded like right away and gave me like all these books and podcasts and told me that she had been there and and she had a similar story to mine, which is why I reached out to her. You know, that's why I tell my story today, because I know 
that there are other people out there who like, like you said, you know, we all have different stories. We have different dates and the way we celebrate, but a lot of our stories are very, very similar. And the things we did that we thought we were the only ones who this was happening to, or we're the only ones that felt this way. It's just not, that's just not true. Our stories are not unique, you know? Definitely. And I think too, for those that are moms now, there's also that kind of social taboo in a way of like talking about it and feeling like that somehow represents some sort of human failing or something. But the reality is, is that it is a massive part of our culture and it's pervasive everywhere. It's just that nobody was talking about it. Right. Exactly. And it's like, we're told we need to drink responsibly and it's our fault if we can versus like, Hey, we're drinking this substance that like the more you drink it, the more you're going to have a chance, you know, to get dependent on it or addicted to it, or just use it, you know, for every situation, uh, you'll just get accustomed to using it, you know, for being happy, being sad, you know, a play date or celebration, just like it's everywhere. And so, um, it's really hard to, to be kind of on the other side of it and not feel like you're the one that the, that's the problem or like you're left out. So you're celebrating this major landmark. So let's talk about kind of what's on your mind right now in terms of pivotal things that you've learned that you wish that maybe you would have known when you first started. The main reason I used alcohol was for socializing. And that's kind of how it always was. Um, You know, I was like the loud, obnoxious life of the party, like down to go do whatever. That's how I like kind of gained friends, you know, when I was younger and in my twenties. And so I was so worried when I quit that I was going to become this recluse in my house. Like, what am I going to do if I don't have alcohol? Like, that's what we do for fun. If you would have asked me four and a half years ago, what do you do for fun? Like I couldn't, I would have to think of something that involved alcohol. Like that's what we did. We went out, you know, we went out to do this and that, but we drank and we, which people still do, like people do that all the time. But since then I've, I've realized, you know, like things are going to happen. You're going to go to events and you're just not going to drink and no one's really going to care that much. We always think like everyone's going to care like that. We're not drinking when really everyone's just kind of worried about themselves. And it's so funny, like when I'll go to, even now, you know, I'll go to a wedding and I'll kind of just, I'm, I'm just like, I love to watch people. I'm just a people watcher. I've always been one and I'll go to a wedding and I'll, and I'll look around and I'll think to myself like, boy, I would be like really drunk right now. And like, I don't see anyone else that seems super drunk. So it was like, am I the only one that was super drunk? Or is that just my, how I perceived myself at that time? I was worried about events like bachelorette parties or weddings and the advice that woman, her name's Katie Bickle. She's a writer who I reached out to. She told me don't future trip. Don't worry about the wedding that's in six months because by then you're going to have six months of sobriety. So like, you're going to be so different and the way you feel about it, it's going to be so different. So you don't have to worry about that. You know, today going to those first events, um, bridal showers, things like that were always really scary. And, and I always got through them, you know, just fine with the support of, um, I had made some connections on different Facebook groups and, uh, eventually I made a private sober Instagram account. I did a little bit with the sober sis group. Uh, she's a Facebook group and some different other groups that she runs meeting these other people who felt the same way I did and could say like me too. And we could tell stories and be like, Oh, I thought I was the only one who did that. So no matter like how you quit, like whether it's in 12 step meetings or, you know, you use um, other different uh, meetings or groups and sober Instagram, meeting people different ways. Like it's, it helps to be around and hear stories and talk to people that, that also have been there. 
And it also, that, that makes like me a lot more empowered. Like now I'll just like tell anybody like why I don't drink. It's not me. Well, like, it's not my choice. Like my brain just, that's how alcohol affects me. And I just want another one, want another one. And then I black out and end up in, you know, handcuffs. You're going to be totally different. You're going to be changing all the time. You're going to find new hobbies. I'm actually an introvert. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think that happens a lot. Like there's, I thought that I was like this huge extrovert who like needed to be out doing things and busy. And I think I just had never even, you know, I was drinking throughout my twenties heavily. So I never really had that moment of like slowing down and like actually sitting by myself sitting alone, doing nothing. And now, I mean, of course I'm a mom of a five-year-old boy who's wild. So that's another level of needing my me time, <laughs> but do you have anything that you can think of that you kind of went, if I wasn't alcohol free, I wouldn't be having this experience right now. You know, it's usually in the morning because the old mornings, the, the drinking mornings were not we're not very pleasant. You know, you wake up and you're sick and regretful and all that stuff. And I, I would get real bad hangovers that would last like multiple days, you know, so physical, like couldn't even drink water sometimes because they were so bad. And that wasn't every time, but it was a lot. So um, now like I'll just be, and I, I mentioned this to a friend the other day. That's why this one popped in my head, but I was just like going somewhere to get some information for a blog that I was writing. And I was driving, I had showered, I had straightened my hair, I had makeup on. It was, you know, probably like nine o'clock in the morning I was driving and I've had like good music on. And I was like, I just feel so good right now. <laughs> my mood is great. Like my body feels good. Like you're so clear headed. Those moments I really, I really appreciate and I think a lot of times when I'm with my son too, and especially again in the mornings, like, you know, he's an early riser, he's up at five, you know, I'm still moving pretty slow because it's 5am, but um, I'm, I'm moving a little bit faster than I would be if I was uh, hungover or, you know, still drunk, let's be honest. Um, and I have so much more energy to do stuff with him. And I, and I don't know how I would be doing it if I didn't have him. I honestly don't know that there would be, I think I would have quit by now if I hadn't quit. You know, I think there would, would have still been another moment. If it wasn't that moment, it would have been coming because of him. But I don't think, I don't know if he, if he wasn't around, if we hadn't had him, if I would have quit, I really don't. He held me accountable and I never really had that. I didn't hold myself accountable. I did whatever I wanted, you know, and my husband, like we said, made those boundaries, but he never was like, Hey, you need to stop some wisdom in him knew that, he, that that was not the right move because if he had told you to. It, it would have been a thing. Yeah. I don't know what would have happened if he would have said like, you need to totally stop. His friend group was kind of a partying friend group too. And we had similar friends that did, you know, we went to the same bars and things like that. So like he was around it all the time. So, and this is probably, he thinks why it, it, he let it go on so long because he, he thought it was normal. You know, he knew that I drank little different than other people, but he also thought this like binge drinking life and blacking out and going out to the bars and all this stuff. He thought that was normal too. And so I think that's what kept that going for so long. So it's, it's kind of a mix of all these ingredients of my life. I feel like I would still be where I am today at some point. That's interesting what you bring up about your son as well. Cause I know with a lot of people that I've talked to, you might be able to look at a situation and maybe say, Hey, I hid my drinking from my kid, or I was really careful. They never saw me drinking, but I got to believe that it still changes their experience of you. 
what, what did you miss out on? Right. By like not being able to be more present. You know, I can lay in bed with him, um, at night and snuggle and talk about our days and whatever else comes up. If I was drinking, I would be thinking, Oh, I got to get back out to the living room, you know, and to my wine or whatever. Again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm perfect because right now I'd be like, I want to get back out to my show that I'm watching. I'm so much more motivated and I put myself out there now and I would never do that before. Like I want to do things, but I wouldn't do the thing. Now I'm just like, rip the bandaid off, just do it. What's the worst they're going to say? No. Every day, you know, the longer I go without alcohol, I think I become more and more confident. Tell us a little bit more just about the work that you do online and your sobriety activist account and how people would find you. So let's see, it's 2022 now. I started the sobriety activist Instagram account in December of 2020. So it really hasn't been around that long. And I just hit 9,000 followers. I'm just like shocked by this, that there's like 9,000 people that are like, oh, I like, I like her. Let me just click follow. It's just shock. It blows my mind. Does that not just go to show like how many people are out there that need this content? I need, you know, somebody to relate to kind of keeps me going. It started when the Tropicana, that orange juice brand, there was a campaign called Take a Moment. They had celebrities like Molly Sims and Gabrielle Union, and there was Jerry O'Connell, I think, the actor. Tropicana had sent them these mini fridges to put to hide, basically, from their children in their garage or in their bathroom. Molly Sims was hiding in her closet, drinking mimosas. Could stock the mini fridge with ingredients like Tropicana and champagne to make a mimosa, to take a moment because you deserve it from your kids. It was geared toward parents. And so the sober Instagram community went crazy over this news as we do when anything is targeting parents and drinking, especially. They actually took that down two days later because of all the the backlash that they got from people posting and sharing and commenting. The New York Post called everyone sobriety activists. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I am. Like, that's what I am. I started becoming on 1000 Hours Dry, that page. I was a host on there, on the parents page. I make reels and post supportive and relatable, funny content. I don't do a lot of educating. There's other accounts that do that. I just talk about things that I have experienced or the way I drink. Now I'm doing a lot of writing. Also, I have a website, BlairSharp.com, where you can find all my writing. I put everything there. Um, I'm also a contributor for the Sober Curator website. I love your content. It does have ease about it, which I really appreciate. And I think people need that no matter what phase they're at. Sometimes it can feel really heavy and you just need to feel like a normal person for a minute. Yeah. And then I just like I'm sharing my story because that's what helped me like on podcasts just like this and whoever wants to talk about it. Let's keep the activism going. I'm here for it. Let's do it. If you are interested in being interviewed in a future podcast episode, then please email me at deanne at showupandstay.org.